you've got a Bible with you, I'd like you to find Matthew chapter 7. We're going to continue. In fact, we're concluding our series today in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, after Easter, we're going to return back to a portion of it, the, what's called the Lord's Prayer. We're going to spend several weeks on that. But for now, I'd like you to find Matthew chapter 7. If you've got a, a Bible with you on your, um, on your smartphone or, or otherwise, if you don't have a Bible, we can get you a Bible. Um, but you, you, we use this thing every week when we're here. So um, let's stand together as we're going to read from verse 13. Through 23 in Matthew chapter 7. These are the words of Jesus as he was teaching. He says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell or the road to destruction is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. We thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. There's this phrase that you've no doubt heard uh, where we say, you know, taking the path of least resistance. Uh, You know, for example, in all these rains that we've had lately, um, you you know, we've seen that that water flows where it's easiest, right? So city engineers uh, take advantage of you know, of, of water's, you know, laziness, basically, and, and make sure that the curbs and sidewalks and drain take advantage of that and place the water where they want it to go. For us, the path of least resistance means we like going the way that's easiest and has the fewest obstacles. It tends to be in our nature to do that. But people who accomplish good things, great things, are people who resist that path of least resistance. For example, last weekend, um, a few people from our church participated in the California Classic. That's a big bicycle race on Saturday and a marathon and half marathon on Saturday. Anyone in this service participated in that last week? Excellent. Which portion did you do, Jen? She ran the half marathon last week. Okay, so Jen, uh, that's Jen Lineman in the back. She did not get there just by like doing what the rest of us were doing on the couch with the remote control in hand, right? She did the hard thing by paying the price with an investment of time and effort and some pain, right, to, to accomplish that event. It's a path of great resistance. It's a narrow way because there's a goal of accomplishment at the end. Way to go, by the way. Good job. 
maybe those of you who, who pursued, uh, pursued an education, a bachelor's degree, and then you went on to get a master's degree, maybe you got a doctorate degree, you know, the, the, you know, the crowd gets smaller and smaller. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? It's not. It's a, it's a narrow path. And to do that, you said no to what others were doing, so you could say yes to what you wanted to get to, yes to your goal, yes to what you were pursuing. Now, Jesus taught us that to follow Him and to enjoy eternal life is to choose, what I read, a narrow and difficult way. Not the wide path of least resistance. Following Jesus is not the root of pat answers and easy choices. But we do it for the destination, the end, for that promise of eternal life. Now, the, 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 the choice of, of the path that you're going to walk really does start with that destination. What destination do you want to reach? Where do you want to you know, get to in the end? So that short little video that, that we, we watched there you know, featured a bunch of folks who mostly had not even considered that there is a destination. Or they had some really weird idea about it. Well, heaven's in you or heaven's all around you or there is no heaven or I've never thought about it or, you know, so they haven't even thought, considered that there is a a destination, but there is a destination. There's two, actually. And if there were no, if there were nothing to go to beyond this life, you know, there would be no point to this life. How, how could you and I be designed with such, you know, intricacy and, and beauty in our bodies with, with minds to be able to form abstract thoughts, with, with, with emotions, the ability to feel emotions, to have a will, to have a conscience, right? And, and, and yet such a, honestly, short time on earth. It, it, how would we have all, all that unless there was something to go to, something to carry that into, something beyond? And Jesus says there is. There's a path that leads to destruction and a path that leads to eternal life. I wonder if Jesus' listeners were like most people today, who, again, you heard on that video, well, I'm a pretty good person, and, you know, I don't do a lot of bad things, so that should get me into heaven. I think, you know, God's good, and He'll work, he'll work it out. I'll, you know, if there is a heaven, I'll probably get there. No no real objective standard, nothing to measure it against. And the, the people in Jesus' day, if anything, they had this extra advantage of being able to say, well, we're Jews, we're God's chosen people, of course we're going to go to heaven. I mean, look at my last name, I'm in. Right, I'm in the door. There's no problem. And Jesus said that the way to life is not the easy path. That it is not just something that happens to you, but that there is actually a decision, a choice to be made. The easy path leads to eternal destruction. No one else has a way to life. No one else has a way to eternal life. Only Jesus does. He's the only way to eternal life. And so, if you're following in your outline this morning, insert in your program, you want to fill in those blanks, this one would be the first one. You need to find the narrow way. Most of us in this room would say, we've, we've done that. But you know, we, we aren't the only people on this planet. And you, you and I are surrounded every day by folks like the ones in that video who have yet to find that narrow way. So it's on us to be a part of helping others to find that narrow way. 
But maybe some of you are familiar with some verses that you memorized earlier in your life and you're thinking about one. It's Romans 6.23 that says, the wages, uh, wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And you're thinking, well, wait a second, how can it be a narrow way and it be a free gift of eternal life? How do you have something that's free and yet hard to find? That doesn't make sense, Brian. Well, it, it, it's that way because... To receive that free gift of salvation, it's not earned, it's not on credit, you can't pay it back. Right? To earn that, to, to receive that free gift of salvation and to follow Jesus faithfully, while it's simple, it's not easy. And so you, to do that, you'll need to give up your life for Christ. It's that great exchange of my life for his, his life for mine. And that's the part that's not easy. That's the part that's not popular. That's the part that's not cool. It's difficult. That's the part that's narrow and hard to find, but it's the only way. Jesus' followers must have been thinking about this when as soon as the church began after Jesus had had been raised to life and returned to heaven and the church started at Pentecost. And not long after that, they were suffering persecution and imprisonment, some of them even being killed for their faith. I, I, they must have just thought, oh, oh, this is what he meant. The road is difficult. Okay, I get it. it. It actually really is difficult. I'm in prison right now and because I chose to follow Jesus. Oh, it's a troubled path. Really, the, the word literally there, when it's, it says that, um, the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult or it has tribulation or it has trouble to it. Jesus had said it other ways too. Jesus had said, you know, take up your cross daily and follow me. Luke chapter 9 verse 24 records this verse, these words of Jesus. We have this on screen. Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. This is, the, this is what Jesus taught. Is it a free gift of salvation? Yes. It is, is it easy? No. But it's still the only way. One thing about a, a narrow gate and a difficult path is that, that you have to travel light. Um, you have to leave behind your baggage. Things like you know, selfishness and indulgence and, and unforgiveness and you know, maybe even personal preferences and polarizing opinions and those kinds of things. You've got to leave those behind because you've got to travel light. I've got a few photos here. Some, some folks in our church gave me some pictures this week of a place, a hike in Yosemite called Clouds Rest. I've never been there, so that's why I had to borrow some pictures from other people. There's a, as some of you recognize yourselves in that picture. And I've got a couple more here. See how narrow that goes? Okay, that's when you're standing on the path and it's heading, heading narrowly out there. And, and I'm thinking, would you want to be carrying a 110-pound pack when you're walking out on there? No, no. Marianne, did you go out there? She crawled. She crawled because it's scary. There's, there's one more. She crawled. She said we, but she meant she. That's somebody from the Weens family. I'm not sure who that is. I mean, it's exciting to look at. Oh, um, we really live in an amazing part of the world, don't we? Isn't that stunning? Just a beautiful place. But, but like really serious backpackers do everything they can to lighten their load. I, I know one guy, he was telling me how he was, he was drilling holes in the handle of his toothbrush to lighten up his pack. I'm like, okay, that's... At that point, why don't you just pull out your teeth? I mean, that'll lighten it up. I mean, come on, seriously? Um, 
But that's how serious this gets. If you're going to walk a hard, narrow path, you've got to lighten your load. Get serious about it. We talked about this a few few weeks ago about some of the junk in the baggage. Jesus was talking about chopping off your hand and plucking out your eye because we, we want to eliminate those things. They're going to hold us back from really following Jesus. It's because life is more than the journey, right? Some people say, oh, life's a journey. It's all about the journey. No, it's not all about the journey. It's all about what's at the end of the journey. That's what it's all about. It's all about the destination. Now, I want you to enjoy the journey as much as possible. I want you to, to be, you know, find fulfillment and, and joy and delight and, and experience good things of God and the blessings that He has for you along the way. But most hikers um, don't just say, well, I just, I just wanted to walk a path with nothing at the end. Most have saying, we're hiking to, you know, whatever destination, Cloud's Rest or Everest or whatever it is. The path is not the end in itself. The destination is. That's why you'll walk a hard path. Because of what's to come. My question for you this morning is simply this. Have you found the narrow gate that Jesus is talking about? The narrow way that leads to life. That narrow gate that you enter by putting your faith in Christ Jesus. The unpopular path of following Him. Have you found that gate? He said, only a few find it. Now, Jesus also warned us that, that there are those who will attempt to mislead you along the way. They'll try to get you to take the easy way with them. Come this way. All right. And so he says, watch out. And in particular, he, he's talking about false prophets. He, he says, you'll recognize them by the outcome or the fruit of their lives. I mean, these are good religious people. These people are people who sound uh, convincing. In verse 16, Jesus says this, you can identify them by their fruit, by, that is, by the way they act. And can you pick grapes from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? And the obvious answer is no, of course not. If you're filling in your outline today, you, you could say it this way, in other words, beware of wolves and thistles and, and be a good tree. Beware of wolves and thistles, because that's what Jesus says. Beware of false prophets, verse 15, who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. Did you know that not everything you read on the internet or not everything you see on TV or not everything you hear on the radio, Christian or otherwise, is true? Believe it or not, not everything you read on the internet is true. Did you know that just because someone is popular and convincing, just because they got a book published, right, does not necessarily mean they're right? Of course, just because someone's popular doesn't necessarily make them wrong either. We don't throw, you know, that out either. But we're to discern, to judge, to make a decision by how the fruit of someone's life, you know, matures. It comes out. And, you know, it was just last week when we, we talked about this line that Jesus said, well, don't judge, because if you judge, you'll be judged by the same measure, by the same standard. So that creates a little conflict for us this morning because we say, well, wait a second. Can we really judge a person? I mean, is that really fair to say what's really going on with that person? Yes, because Jesus is giving us a reliable standard here by which to discern. And you and I will all face judgment and we can all be judged in this way by the fruit of our life. You look at the outcome of their life. Does does what they say match what they live? Is it good fruit from their lives? 
you'll always know a tree by its fruit. You can look at a tree by its if it's a fruit-bearing tree, you know, because it has kind of fruit. If you look at at uh, certain kind of pine trees, you learn the different needles and that you can recognize what kind of tree it is by the kind of leaves or needles or branches it has, what kind of bark, how the bark looks, right? You always know a tree by the fruit. I recall as a kid, we had a, a tree on our property that, that as a kid, I thought it was a cherry tree because it had these nice kind of red looking, well, they look like cherries to me. I don't know what they were, but they didn't taste anything like cherries. It was bitter and it was awful and, and um, I didn't die, as you can tell, right? I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a cherry tree. I remember trying that just once. You will, uh, you will know a fruit a tree by its fruit. God, God has given His Holy Spirit to each and every believer. If you've trusted in Jesus, He's given you His Spirit so, so that as you get to know God's Word, the, the Bible, by reading it consistently, by, by, by pondering what's there, by, you know, as you, as you take, the, take the time to take in the message of good Bible teachers, as you, as you are faithfully participating, attending and participating in church as you're gathering regularly in your connection group, right? You will eventually develop better and better taste buds, spiritual taste buds. The ability to sniff out when something's not right. Because you'll know what the truth is. And so when you know the truth, then you'll recognize what's not right. You'll recognize bad fruit the moment you encounter it. And I want to and a comment here about the wolves as well. Jesus has lumped these two word pictures together, right? The, 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 the thistles and, and trees and fruit and so on, as well as animals. He talks about sheep and, and wolves here. Jesus says in, in verse 15, Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. I want to make two comments about, about this. That First of all, when he says... Beware of the false prophets. That means there are also true prophets. There are also true prophets. And don't be so quick to dismiss the prophetic gift and the prophetic work among us. A prophet is someone who speaks into your life. In a broad way, you could just say a prophet is someone who speaks into your life. Jesus is specifically referring to spiritual leaders here. But we have many cultural prophets as well, right? It used to be who, you know, I think our biggest cultural prophet of, of probably the, the 90s and the 2000s was, was, uh, was probably Oprah Winfrey. What Oprah said, everybody listened to. If Oprah said it, it had to be true. She was a cultural prophet. Today, it's probably someone like Ellen DeGeneres, right? Maybe today it's your, your favorite artist or your favorite politician. These are cultural prophets. They speak into our lives and we decide whether or not we receive what, what they say as true or not. I, I would just add this. Are they, are they, you know, the people you're listening to, are they the prophets who are going to lead you on the narrow path of following Jesus together? Are those the kind of prophets you're listening to? You know, biblically, biblically, a prophet is one who speaks truth, both from what's in Scripture and from what God is revealing to them, what God is making known to them, helping them understand both for what's present and even for what's to come in the future. The prophet is an essential office of the church. The prophet is, is an important function, right? Later on in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote that, that God has given to the church these offices of uh, apostle, evangelist, prophet, pastors, and teachers. These are important functions in the church. We need them because they build up believers. They build us up for the work of ministry. 
And so you know, I, I would say this, watch for and encourage and listen to the to the true prophets that are among us in our life. But as Jesus says, some are going to be false. You're going to encounter some false prophets and you'll know them by the fruit of their life. The second comment I just want to make about prophets and false prophets is to notice that false prophets, according to Jesus, tend to come in sheep's garb, sheep's clothing, dressed as sheep, not shepherd's clothing. Those who come to divide and destroy the flock of God's sheep, that's, that's us, that's you and me here together, they do, they do so in disguise as sheep, says Jesus, not as shepherds. And some of us have had, you know, bad church experiences due to maybe an insecure or incompetent leader or a, an ungodly pastor or something like that. And, and so we've been conditioned to think that pastors are, 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 are suspect, that they're, that they're bad and untrustworthy prophets and I, I, or, or shepherds, I should say. And I would just, just, remind you that's not normally the case that's not normally the case the, the kind of people who do do this work could easily do something you know more profitable in the world's eyes or 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 you know easier in so in so many ways um so just be reminded wolves are more often in disguise as regular sheep and you need to be on guard the apostle paul actually would address this later too and in, in his letter to pastor titus when he, he said this in Titus 3.10, he said, If people are causing division among you, give a first and then a second warning, and after that have nothing more to do with them. Pretty strong words for sheep that are stirring up trouble in the body. Um, so beware of, of those who come as, who are wolves, who are dressed as sheep. I guess I would, I would kind of bring this kind of to a point here to say it's wise to assess our own fruit once in a while. It's wise to assess your own fruit. The, the fruit of the spirit-filled person includes love and joy and peace and patience and, and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. It's what we call the fruit of the spirit. How are you doing on those? I, I don't mean just like here when we get together and gather and we put our like our best Sunday face on. I mean like at work or at home with our spouse or with our kids um, you know at family gatherings next weekend when you're at Easter gathering with family are those good fruit coming out from your life from your tree because a, a, a tree does not exist for its own benefit right a tree does not exist for its own benefit it exists only for the benefit of others for example um, I think I might have a picture of a tree on there but you can think about this tree as well Right, we've we've talked about how how a tree has got, it's got roots heading down to the you know that's the the depth of maturity as we grow in in our faith and grow in our understanding of God's word and we grow in knowledge and grace as, as Peter says in First Peter, that trunk represents that kind of strength of unity as we stand together no matter what's going on in our life, as a body of God's people and the branches represent that 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 beauty of multiplication that reaching out. To be a blessing, whether it's through fruit or, or other ways and, and providing shade around. A, a, a tree never exists for its own benefit. Right. Uh, it does so many things. It, it recycles, you know, carbon into oxygen. It, it stabilizes the soil on a mountainside. It, 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 it might even be a, a tree that, that gives us lumber so we can build 
a home. But in every way, a tree never exists for itself. It's unselfish. Exists for others. And a selfish tree, when a tree that has no fruit and no leaves, it won't last long because it's a dead tree. At best, it's fuel for the fire. As Jesus says, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. In verse 19. So, along with making sure you found that narrow path, that narrow gate and that narrow path, and, 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 and lightening your load to, to get through that narrow gate, right? Be sure to evaluate your own fruit and the fruit of those who lead your life, spiritually speaking. And I think the most sobering part of this passage is those last few verses, picking up at verse 21, where he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord! will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. How can that be? How can it be that good religious people doing good religious work can be rejected by God? Well, it's because we're not here to be religious. We're not here to be good, religious, nice, safe people doing all those good religious deeds. We're here for a relationship, or also called a friendship, with Jesus. It's not enough to know who Jesus is. You need to be known by Jesus. If you're following in your outline, you can fill those in. Right? Get to know Jesus and be known by Him. And it's amazing that there is a way to salvation it's by knowing and being known by Jesus. Many of you are on Facebook. I uh, encourage you to use Facebook these days to check in when you show up at church or try to help our friends know, yes, I go to church and this will be a great church for you, you to come to, especially next week on Easter. But on Facebook, I sometimes get friend requests from people that I can see we have friends in common, but I have no idea who they are. And somehow that person thinks they know me, but I don't know them. And so... I, I say, depart from me, I never knew you. And I cast them into the outer darkness of the internet. No, um, you know, something like that. I, but, but can you believe that on, on Judgment Day, there will be some, like, nicely dressed, well-behaved religious people who are going to be surprised that they're not admitted into the eternal kingdom of God. And why not? Because Jesus is going to say, I never Knew you, depart. Go away. Wow. It's a, it's, a, it's a little sobering, isn't it? It's chilling in a way. But the good news is that's the point isn't that who Jesus is rejecting. The point is Jesus is telling you how to have eternal life. It's by knowing Him and being known by Him. How do we get to heaven? Jesus, Jesus said this in verse 21, Only those who actually do the will of of my Father in heaven, will enter. Alright, so what's the Father's will? John chapter 6, we, we get this line. Jesus says, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants. That means His will. What the work God wants from you, believe in the one He has sent. To believe in Jesus is the will of God. How about this one? In verse 40 of the same chapter. For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son, that's Jesus, and believe in Him should have Eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. That promise of eternal life. That's coming. 
And when you ask, well, what's, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? The, the simplest and the purest answer is this. You ready? You want to know God's will for your life? Believe in Jesus. That's all He wants. That's what He asks of you. Believe in Jesus, His Son. Not just uttering the words, Oh, Lord, Lord, but believing in your heart that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. And when you do that, the very priorities and the very purposes of your life will change. Right? God's will is for you to know Jesus and for Him to know you. And when that happens, it changes you. I know my wife pretty well. I know she just walked out, not because... Um, some of you were watching her walk out. Not, not she, that she was offended by anything I said, but she's helped with connection time today in a few minutes. But I know her pretty well. And I don't know her well because I have a picture of her in my wallet, and I do, right? And not because I message her or talk about her, which I do, for better or for worse sometimes, right? But I do those things because I got to know her by spending time with her and because I know her, it's, it's, it's reflected in my life. And I, as I, as I spent time with her starting 27 years ago, this month when we started dating, right? As, as I got to know her, I adjusted my choices. I, I adjusted my preferences. I even adjusted my spending, right? Priorities really changed so that they would align with her and please her. And she did the same for me. And, and as we just, you know, we liked what we discovered about each other. We chose a life together. And so, I know her and I know that she knows me because in many ways that she communicates and responds back to me. It's important. It's how I know that she knows me. And you might say, well, I believe in Jesus, but how do I know that I'm known by Jesus? Because if Jesus knows you, He responds to you when you communicate with Him. When you spend time with Him, you'll, you'll learn to recognize that nudge of the Holy Spirit in your life. When he taps you on the shoulder in various situations, says, talk to that person. Make that phone call. Slow down over here. Right. You, you'll, you'll recognize that the, the voice as he, of, the, of your Savior, of your shepherd as he speaks to you in the many ways that he is at work in your life. All the time. Several weeks back, we had a, a citywide prayer morning um, for pastors and leaders at First Press downtown and I, I was as I was walking in that morning I was just kind of feeling the weight of a lot of stuff and I was just praying I was just Lord I just need to hear from you today I just need to hear we got some big stuff going on I, Lord I just I need to hear from you and um, as I as I left that that meeting at you know after the the lunch meal and I was leaving and it, it had been fine um you know, and and I bumped into this guy as I as I'm about to leave, and I we just chatted briefly, and I said, "Oh, I'll walk you to the parking lot." And he uh, he says, uh, "Hey, I don't mean to be uh, I don't mean to be rude. Can I say something?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." And he just started like speaking into my life. I really, this is what I see, and this is what I think God's saying to you. And and he just started telling me stuff about our church, and I'm like, I was like, "Dude, you didn't know those are the exact things I was praying about this morning." And it was like it just gave me chills and I I had tears and I went to my car. I was like, well, thank you, Lord. I prayed about that and you spoke. And 
That's how you know that He knows you, because He talks to you. It's, it's, it's the affirmation of the Spirit's presence. And maybe you, right now you're, you're just thinking, look, Brian, this, this passage is overwhelming. It makes it too hard to be saved. Jesus is, is too hard to get to. I want to leave you with these, these verses from, from Matthew 11 that Jesus said. Because He said, Come to Me, all of you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take My yoke upon you. Let Me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Look, the yoke and the burden of religion are impossibly hard. They will crush you. And the yoke and burden of living for the world is pointless. It has no meaning to it. It has no destination to it. As we talked about, you can store up all the treasure you want on this earth, but it's just going to go away. Only Jesus has the right way. Only Jesus has a yoke that's manageable. But you've got to be in that yoke with Him. And then He will lead you as you put your faith in Him fresh today. Are you on the narrow way? Are you checking the fruit of your life? Do you know Jesus and are you known by Him today? Would you bow with me as we pray? God, we, we just thank You for these, these important words that Jesus taught us. Lord, it's easy for us to be, I don't know, just kind of go with the flow in life and just kind of ignore what's really happening. But You call us to a way that's, that's unlike what most everyone else is doing. And amazingly, remarkably, you invite us to, to, you call us to invite those people to take that path with us. And God, I just pray that today in a fresh way, we would resolve in our own life on a day-to-day basis to know you and to be known by you. To say in a fresh way, God, I, I choose that path that's, that's not easy because I want to enjoy eternal life with you. And church, as heads are bowed and and eyes are closed, I just want to tell you, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus in this way, it's not hard to do it. It's simple. I should say it's not complicated. It's simple. But it's a big ask of Jesus to follow Him. And the way you do that, the way you put your faith in Him is a simple way. You could pray, Jesus. You could just pray right along with me. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose again. I believe that you're coming back. And right now, I choose to follow you as the leader of my life for all my days. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Amen. And as we, as we, as we, as we commit ourselves to follow Christ, He commits to place His yoke on us and it's a manageable yoke. It's a manageable burden. Church, let's look up here. If you you this week, as you go, I just just urge you in in a fresh way to say, Jesus, I want to follow You even when it's hard. I want the fruit of my life to matter. 
I want to know you and be known by you. And if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time today, would you, would you come and tell me or tell someone that you came with so we can help you understand more what that means and how to start your life together? It's going to be awesome.